Father, we bow before thanking you for this day, for the privilege of coming to your throne to obtain mercy. We thank you, God, for healing our bodies, touching our minds. God, for giving us a right vision of who you are. We thank you, God, for the body of Christ at large. And we pray right now that your spirit move upon every man and woman of God today and that they speak your truth. And God, we give you praise for that. Now, God, we ask that your kingdom come in this place as your will is being done. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Bless the Lord, bless the Lord. You have your Bibles this morning. Go back to where we were last week. We were a lot of places I know. Go back to the book of Revelation. I want to talk about that church at Ephesus for just a moment. But I'm only going to stay there for a moment. In Revelations chapter 2, we talked to you about this thought last week in verses 4 and 5. It says, nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Amen? Then go to Colossians chapter 3. I'm just going to give you that one verse there, and then I'm going to go back and teach a little bit from Revelation. Colossians chapter 3. Well, I said one verse. Let's do verse 12 through 14. The Bible says, Therefore, as the elect of God, that's you, holy and beloved, put on. Now, that's what we did in Ephesians 4. We talked about putting on and putting off. It says, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you. But, Above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Amen? So I want to talk to you this morning on this thought. Love is your first work. Love is your first work. If you don't get that right, the rest doesn't matter. Amen. You may be seated. Now, last week we went through a lot of scenarios and we talked to you about uh, a city hiring a gunslinger. Y'all remember all of that? <laughs> well, I'm not far from that story today. <laughs> and uh, the reason that I like that, that, that uh, storyline is simply that I believe now, as folks say, sometimes when I say I believe, I'm not telling you uh, 
what there is a passage that says. I'm telling you what I believe. I believe that what the Bible teaches in 2 Thessalonians uh, about delusion uh, is in effect right now. Uh, go, go there. Y'all know what I'm talking about, but just, just go there. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9 uh, says this. It says, the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power signs and lying wonders. Now, uh, that sounds vaguely familiar. And what I believe, and that I believe, I believe that, that uh, four years ago, the lawless one came. Everybody was deluded. They were fooled. This is what it says here. It says in verse 10, and with all unrighteous deception, this is in your Bible, right? Among those who perished because they did not receive what? The love of the truth that they might be saved. And I believe that what's happened in our nation today is that the first people to be deceived was the evangelical church. And they began to preach and teach something about political authority that was wrong and flawed from the beginning. If the beginning of the process has to do with putting down one people and raising up another people, then we know that that premise is wrong from its inception. But yet, here we are four years later, and we're still talking about those people and the other people. Even so far as to say that if we were to come up with a vaccine, that one particular state wouldn't get it. This is the state of where we are right now. And the reason is, is that during these last four years, it's uh, like priests, like people. When you start to believe a lie, then what happens is you gravitate toward the liar. That's why we have 74 million people who are deceived. Or you could reverse it. It could be the other folk that are deceived. I mean, we could all be deceived. <laughs> but one thing I know for sure, the same mirror that told me I was black four years ago. <laughs> but I say all this to say to you this, that David, when he was being pursued, David said this, he said, they take counsel against me. They lie on me. And what happens is that when, when people of, 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 of bad intent come together with an evil purpose, then they will not let go. It is like a lion with his prey in his mouth. He's not going to release 
until he is captured. Amen. So I say that to set this up so that you will understand that there are people who over the last four years, probably over the last six years, have started to uh, live out Matthew chapter 24 and verse 12. In case you don't know what that means, it says that uh, in the last days that people's love would grow cold. So we began to talk to you last week about what happens when love grows cold. Now, and I, I, I want to tell you before we get started, and I make sure that you understand this, that when we say cold love, it doesn't equate to old love. Do you understand that? Love is supposed to grow deeper with time. And over the process of time, uh, you find more that you love about people because love is self-perpetuating. Y'all still here. So the Bible says that uh, in Revelations chapter 2, when Jesus was talking to the church at Ephesus, he said to them that I have this one thing against you. And he said that you have abandoned your first love. And what they were doing, if you recall, is that they were still having church. And the problem with having church is that it became a ritual or a routine. Some of you all who've been in church your whole life, you probably know some of the ritual that you see in church. You know they're going to have this, then they're going to have that, and we're going to have this one, and, that, and then that deacon going to pray, and then when the preacher closes his Bible, that deacon going to sleep, and you all, you all, we all know that. That's, that's a sign of cold love. I'm still doing it, but I ain't having no fun. I'm going through the motion. First love, the Bible teaches us, always involves passion. That means that when we are first in love, there is a fire in us. There is a desire in us to do something for the one we love. If you remember when you first got saved, that kind of love was in you. That passion was there. You wanted to go to church. You couldn't wait for the next service because you knew that God was going to show up and there was going to be a blessing for you. However, at some point in time, it became routine. And the Bible says they lost their first love. Well, one of the problems, of course, is that we make love a religion. It's not. When you make love a religion, then what you do is uh, you have ritual without relationship. So you tell people how good church was because you say, that church was good because of what you did, not because who you worship. 
Are we still here? So the Bible goes on to say that we must go back to an intimate pursuit of passion. In other words, this, this, this zeal that we had at the beginning, you, we have to work for it. That's why we call it love is your first work. Anybody who's been married for more than a year knows that marriage is a lot of work. At its very best, it's difficult. Okay? Even the good times are hard. Because you're two different people trying to balance a relationship. You have your thoughts, they have their thoughts, and somehow you're trying to mesh those thoughts together. But you see, the relationship that Jesus has with us is supposed to be a, a symbol of the church, which means that if we understand church, if we understand servanthood, if we understand submission, if we understand love and we understand covering, then we don't have a problem trying to work it. We just do. Now, now, how does that work, Pastor? Well, uh, at the beginning, Adam had responsibility. If, if Adam takes care of his responsibility, Eve will, Eve will e easily submit to it. After all, the purpose of Eve is to help Adam accomplish his purpose. Somewhere over the years, we found out that Eve thought giving Adam his purpose and Don't make me get started. Adam probably looked at Eve with a little John on the side because he's trying to make sense of somebody getting him put out of his house. Yeah. I know Eve, but you, you should have just, just kept your mouth shut and not done anything. And I, we'd have still had a place to live. I'm teasing, I'm teasing. That's a joke. Ain't got many men here, so I need to be quiet. <laughs> but the Bible says that uh, when people started to lose that zeal, they started to, to be more concerned about the ritual than they did about each other. When you do that, when you look, look when you lose sight of love, then you trivialize forgiveness. Remember we said that the one that loves much does what? Forgives much. So when love grows cold, guess what else grows cold right along with it? Your ability to forgive. All right. Folks say, Pastor, you need to go and get into something because this is getting harder by the minute. But we are getting there. Now the Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 9, For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten he was cleansed from his old sins. When you forget what God did for you, it's easy for you not to do something for somebody else. Are y'all understanding this? If you forget what God did for you, it's easy for you to forget how to do something good for somebody else. Amen? 
So the Bible says that in the beginning, uh, we had enthusiasm without knowledge. But now we're in a situation where we have knowledge with no enthusiasm. In other words, there's no excitement in what we do. We do it because it's ritual. It's learned behavior. And if it's just learned behavior, it won't last. Amen? You know, uh, anything you learn, you learn how to do it in a certain way. But if something happens, if there is a change, there's something that, that uh, is different than what you did the last time, you're lost. You don't know what to do. Y'all understand what I'm saying? We say, well, we did it this way last time and it worked. Yeah, but uh, we did it in the daytime. It's night now. Okay. So what, what, listen, what Jesus said to the church is that, listen, if you don't repent and go back and do your first work, he says, I'm going to remove your lampstand. Can we make this very simple and say that if you take away the light, if you take away the word, if you take away the revelation, then the church is lost. Now, keep in mind that the Bible says that even though the church may be in darkness, it didn't say that the individuals would be in darkness. Sometimes even in the midst of a bad church, there's good people who want to do the right thing. Okay. So the Bible says that uh, the church, when it loses the first, his, its first love, means, it means two things. One, the Bible says, the church and its believers lose their feelings for Christ. <sighs> we can exchange our feelings for Christ to feelings for us. Y'all not? In other words, when I used to enjoy going to church, when I was having a great time in church, over time, if I don't keep that up, then I will start caring more about me than I do church. So I say, well, I need some rest. Uh, I'm tired. They, they, they stay in church too long. So I exchange my feelings, my excitement for Christ to my feelings about me and what I'm going through. Uh, sometimes the church gets a little selfish. The Bible says that uh, when this happens, the church sees a break in fellowship. This is why people can stay out of church. That's why they can have church at home because they don't care about fellowship. It's more about ritual than it is about worship. Uh, uh, number two, the Bible says the church has lost its love for the people. Now, when the church as, as a whole loses its love for people, that means that people don't get blessed. What you trying to say, Pastor? I'm saying that there's a lot, a lot of times that the church has the capability of doing something that you as an individual can't do, but because you have broken fellowship and you are no longer part of the the, 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 the physical body, then instead of you trying to do something that costs $100, when you may come in with $10 and nine other people have $10, and now you can get it done. Are y'all with me? So the Bible goes on to say this. It says that uh, 
First love is fervent love. There's some heat there. And folks, folks say, okay, wait a minute. No, no, keep your mind up. Keep, 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 keep it up. Keep it up. Keep it up. <laughs> Just as an example, as an illustration, you notice the difference between right now and say 10 minutes ago when you were sweating because the music and you were dancing and you were excited and you, 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 okay. See, first love is exciting. There's something there, there's some passion. It just makes you want to move. Amen. The Bible calls that honeymoon love. <laughs> but you can't stay in the Bahamas. <laughs> You're going to have to come home. Unless you stay there waiting to exhale, I don't know. <laughs> That's a joke. That's a joke. <laughs> Doesn't take much to get y'all going, does it? <laughs> Hallelujah. The first love of every church should be the love of Christ. In other words, more than the music, more, more than the preaching, I should love Christ, but I should love him because of me and because of what he's done for me. Listen, if everybody had the same experience with Christ, and I pray that you have, in other words, if you all saved, and let me stop right now, and Brother Jones, take, I'm going to take your spot. If you're saved today, if you know the Lord Jesus and the pardon of your sin, the Bible teaches us that there's a love there that is exactly the same for you as it is for me. Y'all understand that? You love the same Jesus I do. And because he saved you just like he saved me, you ought to have the same care. And the same Jesus is in me that is in you. And therefore, it is impossible for you to say that you love Jesus and not love me. Y'all with me? So let's move on. The Bible says that... <laughs> That when we uh, 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 love Christ the way that we're supposed to, he says that we get rid of the busy work. What does that mean? Well, you know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I don't turn there, but I'll tell you what it says. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it talks about building, doing work, working for Christ. It says you can build with hay and wood and, you know, all that. But it says that... Uh, you can also use precious material. But what the Bible says is that if your work is good, it'll last and you'll receive a reward. But if your work's not good, the Bible says that that work will be burned up, but you will be saved. And the Bible says what that basically means is that you get to heaven with no reward. Oh, you thought heaven was your reward? And you see, that's also a misconception because the Bible says there's going to be a 
new heaven and a Y'all still with me? So the Bible says that that uh, uh, when people do the work without the passion, it is not a work of faith, but it's a work of feeling. And some people have faith in feelings. You believe in your feelings. Now, here we go again. 45 says he just goes by his gut. He don't need nobody to tell him. He just has a gut feeling. Well, I hate to tell him that's a Big Mac, but. <laughs> what we have to remember is the superiority over performance, uh, relationship over performance. In other words, the relationship is more important than the performance. Now, now listen to very carefully. The relationship you have for, with Christ is more important than the job that you accomplish. If you think that building a church gets you some points with Christ, it doesn't. It just gives you points in the community. Amen. And what we do is we think that if we have a big revival and a thousand people come, oh, we've done a great thing. That does not mean anything for Christ. He can save everybody in the world just like that. He doesn't need a revival to save you. Amen. All I'm saying to you is that all of the things that we do for performance are not the things that Christ is looking for. He's looking for a relationship with him. That's more important than anything else. And if you have anything that's more important than that relationship, in other words, if your performance takes you away from the relationship, there's something wrong with it. It is deception. That's what the Bible says. You have forsaken your first love. You know how a husband can tell his wife, uh, yeah, baby, I got to work. We need this money. And she's thinking, I'd rather have you home and have less money. You see the difference between performance and relationship. Now, every husband here say, but we got these bills. And I would say to every husband, but you made them. You understand that? And I might not be sure about this. I might not be sure about this. But I'm pretty much confident, about 80%. That when you did, you still going to have bills. I'm, I'm, I'm fairly confident, if nothing else but a funeral bill. So keep working. Stop loving and see what happens. <laughs> so we say first love is always the best kind of love. And when we use the theological understanding of that, uh, it means that love and truth form the reality of Christianity. Love and truth form the reality of Christianity. If I want to know if I am a Christian, you know how people say, and you call yourself. <laughs> then you have love and truth because 
The Bible says Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is the truth. And the Bible says that God is love. What? That's what it says. Amen. Where does it say that, Pastor? 1 John chapter 4, verse 8 and verse 16. It says God is love. But if I want to know that God is really love, then I have to look at John chapter 1. And if you will just back up there for just a moment to John chapter 1. And you will see how God expresses love. Amen? Okay. All <sighs> oh, these pages stick together. I need a new Bible. This one has been with me. This is the Bible that I gave you all back in 2007. Somebody say, he gave us a Bible? <laughs> well, it says they spring 2007 on mine. Come on, y'all. It says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. In the beginning with, it was, he was in the beginning uh, with God. So, there's no ambigu ambiguity, ambiguity there. Verse 3 says, watch this, all things were made through him and without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men. So in there we find that Jesus was with God, that he was God and that he made everything and he gave us life and the Bible says he was our light. Now, remember, he said that in Revelation, talking about taking away your light. Amen. <clears throat> and taking away your light means, let, let me just, in case I forget to tell you, taking away your light symbolizes judgment. See, I probably shouldn't have threw that in right there because now I got to go and explain it, right? But when you take away revelation from the church, then the church walks in darkness. This is why church today, 2020, November 22nd, is that, this the right day, right? The church is just as divided as it was in the year zero, uh, zero 01. Why is that? Because even today, the church cannot settle on what's right. There can't be two or three forms of the same righteousness. It either is or it isn't. And here's what we do today. Again, we inject what we believe rather than what the Bible says. And when we do that, the Bible says that the light slowly goes out. You don't get to see things as clear. And especially when you have people talking in your ear. 
I watched uh, 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 a thing last night that really I, I thought was the, the wildest thing I had ever seen, but I've seen a lot of wild things. And, uh, and I watched the, uh, the, uh, the press secretary say that uh, 45 did not get a peaceful transition. And then, then, of course, they showed the news clip of 44 inviting him. She said, never happened. Never happened. And I remember what she said at the beginning of her, uh, 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 her position when she took the job. She said, I promise you, I'll never lie to you. Now, again, keep in mind, and I'll be the first one to tell you, I could be the one to look, that's deluded. <laughs> there may not ever been a moonshot. I don't know. <laughs> but my point is that when the light goes out, then you can say or believe anything because it is a strong delusion. Remember what we said in 2 Thessalonians. It is a strong delusion. You know for yourself, if you've ever been into and walked into a room and there was no light and you thought you knew the room, you will eventually stumble on something, right? Okay, all right. Just saying. Y'all still in John 1? Verse 10 says that he was in the world and the world was made through him. It's his world, right? And the world did not know him. Hmm? Nah, I ain't going there. Because see, my first thought is that that's like, you know, Papa's, right? I made that. You gonna talk to me like that? I brought you in the world, now you don't know who I am? <clears throat> okay. I'm having a moment. Verse 11 says, he came to his own and his own did not receive him. If I go to my own and ask for a dollar, you better borrow one from somebody and give it to me. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> it's going to be a bad day in Flat Rock if that don't. <laughs> hey, big man, let me hold a dollar. <laughs> verse 14, verse 14, verse 14. Y'all, come on, stay. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Verse 18, I'm skipping because I want you to see this. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, the Bible says, he has declared him. What does that mean? The, the only revelation of who God is, is what we see 
in Christ. Now, now hold on, because this is the part I want you to see. That means that when you see Christ in me, you see God. That is a revelation of who God is. When you see stuff that doesn't look like God, it probably. <laughs> so the gospel suggests a twofold clarification here. Number one, the Bible says any tolerance for teaching contrary to the apostolic witness uh, uh, to the word. And then he points out in verses uh, five and six, he starts talking about the Nicolaitans. Now, the Nicolaitans, uh, uh, the Bible says, were, were uh, like the folks from, from Balaam said. And I'll get to them in just a moment. But these are people, now let, write this down in case you don't remember it. These are people who entice people to sin. Now, these are people who sit in church beside you and talk to you while you're trying to listen to the word. They entice you to sin. How do they get you to sin? Because you don't get the word that's being ministered. Come on. They steal it from you. And then you, you, because you become responsible for that word, you don't get it. Folks go, well, well, wait a minute. But I didn't hear it. Then next time move. Nicolaitans. These are the folks that'll call you on the phone to get you off your game. Did you see what happened yesterday? Did you see it? Did you see it? I told you, I told you, that's who they are. Get them off your phone. Amen. When you're walking out of church in the parking lot, do you hear what he said? Get them out your face. The Nicolaitans will lead you to apostasy. You know what apostasy is? It's falling away. It's falling away. It's falling away. And that's what happens in church. You sit and listen to folk who are telling lies. Come on. Pastor, why they got to be lying? Well, because first of all, if they, if they had something to say that was worthwhile, they would certainly wait until you were out of church. So what they have to say has to be something from the devil. The devil is a liar and he will get you distracted. Second, the Bible says the proper response to belief is God is love. If I believe God, if I believe that God is love, then I have to respond with love. Amen. So our actions uh, of love for one another must be manifested. Now, here's the problem with us is that we have a tendency to forget that if I say I am a Christian, you know how we say that, then I'm. Go back to John one more time. Tell you what, let's just do this. I ain't gonna finish this today. I can tell you I'm looking at the clock, okay? But y'all don't mind, as long as you're getting some good stuff, right? 
<laughs> and just think, I wasn't even going to come to church today. No. <laughs> uh, I, I got, I, you know how uh, I was having a senior moment and since we were having fellowship yesterday, I figured we were in church. I figured I, I was done for the week. <laughs> Listen at this. John chapter 15. Are you there? John chapter 15. You've heard this before, but listen to it. Verse 9. It says, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Now, what's he saying there? Abide in my love. Abide in, in my love means be in Christ. Dwell in me. Amen? Verse 10 says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide. Hold, stop right there. If you keep my commandments, you will abide. It didn't say you can. <laughs> So when folks start to fall out of love, it's an act of their will. Is that? He says, let me go on here. He says, uh, you will abide in my love just as I kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. Now, you got that. Y'all got that, right? In other words, the same way Jesus loves the father, you love Jesus and if you love Jesus the same way the Father loves, uh, uh, Jesus loves the Father, then you'll love me. Amen. Nothing really difficult about that, right? Okay, verse 11 says, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy remain in you, and that, you, uh, that your joy may be full. How, how, how many people want full joy? After all, the joy of the Lord is your strength. So I want, I want to be happy all the time. Amen. Amen. Now I realize that a lot of people have things to complain about. I too. But it doesn't have anything, with me, doesn't have anything to do with me being happy. Amen. Amen. Well, though James Cleveland say, I've had heartaches like this before. Disappointments by the school. I claim the victory. At last. Why? God. This too shall pass. <laughs> uh, when I got saved, I only listened to gospel music. I didn't say it was good music. But, but I only listen to gospel music. And, uh, and all my eight tracks, <laughs> they were, I, I got some still. All my eight tracks were gospel. Amen. Back in the day, they didn't put eight tracks in the car. You had to put it, it the aftermarket. Had that bad boy sitting on the hump. <laughs> now, the only problem with eight track is you can't find the song you're looking for. 
You got to wait to hear. <laughs> so, so, I got to know the words of all the songs because, because you, you had to listen to the whole Young people say, what's he talking about? Okay. Uh, well, just let me skip down. Can I skip down? Because verse 12, verse 12, here it is. This is my commandment. What does that say? This is my commandment. Now, now, why is that so important? He never said this is my suggestion. He didn't say, this is your option. He said, this is a commandment. What is it? That you love. Now, wait a minute. Notice what he said. This is his commandment, that, he, that you love one another. In other words, love must be directed out. He didn't say that you love yourself. He said that you love one another just as I have loved you. Are y'all understanding this? So love is an action word, but it's an action uh, directed toward someone else. Okay? Let me make myself a note and I'm going to stop right here. Uh, well, I'm not going to stop. I'm going to summarize what I told you already. But then I'm going to pick it up next week. Uh, I wonder if you learnt, learnt anything. I know, I know you didn't learn anything, but did you, have you learnt anything? <laughs> Now, here's the summary. We have to come to an understanding where we believe that God is love. Now, a lot of people don't believe that. They say they do, but they really don't. Because if you really believe that God is love, then you know that the love of God that's in you must flow through you to everything and everybody else. Amen? So the Bible says... Until we acknowledge that God is love, we're going to have difficulty believing God. Do you hear what I just said? If you don't believe that God is love, you're going to have difficulty believing God. You're not going to fully trust God, which means your faith is not going to fully develop. This is why saints who are not fully committed have a tendency to remain immature. Because you have, to, you have to release yourself to the love of God in order for that trust to be there. In other words, if I believe God because he said it and stand on that, then my faith develops. So last week we told you about the ability to speak to your situation, your mountain. If you, want, if you truly have that kind of faith, the Bible says that you have that faith and you do not doubt then whatever you say, you'll have it. And the fact that you're suffering lack today means that you don't believe it fully, which means that you don't love totally. Do you understand this? 
And because you don't love completely, you are cherry picking your love. In other words, you decide, I'm going to love this one, but I ain't going to like that one. Y'all with me? You also notice that the Bible and the commandment that we just read to you does not say you don't have to, you have to like folk. And that's a situation that, that saints have not have fully embraced that we can love people without having to, to, to have any fellowship with them. I remember telling you some relationships are just toxic. There's some people you just should not be around. Should not. Because they have not yet developed. Uh, some people develop wrong. Yeah. And because they develop wrong, you can't, you can't just be hanging with them because they'll infect you with that wrong belief. They may be good people. There's nothing wrong with that. All right? So the key then to your growth, the key to you growing up, the key to you maturing is trusting God. Actually, it's trusting God's love. The more I trust in that love, the more I believe that Jesus loves me. This I know. Amen. The more I, the more I can trust in him, the Bible says that uh, uh, the more I develop, the, the more I grow up. And this is, this, is, this is the problem with us growing up, is that we still have some things that we won't release. That's why this love and forgiveness are match set. If there's something that's standing between me and the release of that love, then I can't move into the next area that God wants me to be. Y'all still with me? So I have to learn how to live in love. The Bible says abide. I have to learn how to live in love. What does the Bible say in, uh, well, let me show you this. God, I said I was done. Ephesians chapter four and verse two. Here's what the Bible says. It says, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another, how? In love, in love. I have to remain, I have to abide in his love. And then in, uh, uh, in Galatians chapter two and verse 20, the Bible says, I've been crucified with Christ. He says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Lives where? In me, the Bible says. And the life I now live in the flesh. Where am I living in life? In the flesh. The Bible says, I live by faith in the Son of God, who what? Loved me and gave himself for me. Are y'all understanding this? So if I, want, if, if, if I want to go back and do my first works, if I want to, 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 to love the way that I originally loved, then the thing I have to do is I have to put my full faith and confidence in the fact that the gospel truth says that God is love and that Jesus is his incarnate son who is the declaration of love. What that means is that Whenever I see the goodness of God, I see it because Jesus is revealing it through me. No man has seen God at any time, but you have seen the works of God in your life. 
You've seen it in the things that you do, the people that you associate with. And I believe today that if you will fully embrace the fact that God is love and that the same God is in you and me and we can find that common ground, then we can find truth. What does that mean, truth? It means that we're no longer going to be fooled. Doesn't matter if it's CNN or Fox News. I'm not going to be fooled by it. I'm going to look at the gospel. I want to see the signs. I want to know what the Bible says, not what man is saying. I believe that the reason the church is in the mess it's in today is because too many people prophesied people rather than events. I think all the prophets were right when they said America's at a crossroad. It is. I think all the prophets were right when they said America is going to be judged. They were right. I believe that we're in the midst of that judgment right now. I believe that more than anybody. I believe that. But what I believe is that they got it wrong in the sense that they thought that judgment was supposed to be just for some of us and not the rest of us. So again, they hired this gunslinger to keep the rest of us in check. While they're being blessed, we're going to be judged. That's not the way it works. Amen. We are one people. One people. I'm telling you, anybody in this room that bleeds, it's going to be the same color. And we come from the same source that we just read. And if you read in Acts, it says that from one blood, every human being on earth came. So what are you saying to me, Pastor? I want you to learn how to love. The first thing that you do, I'm assuming that you're all saved here. And if you're all saved, is there anybody in the house that's not saved? If you're not saved this morning, I need you to stand. Everybody's saved. First hurdle. If you are saved, then the first thing you need to do is you need to take a moment and repent. Because you haven't always lived like you. Amen. Even now, with your heads bowed, I want you to just take a moment, reflect, and then repent. Lord God, I submit these people to you. Even as they're seeking you right now, God, I ask that you would allow the Holy Spirit to examine them from the crown of their heads to the soles of their feet. Should you find anything in them, Father, that does not look like what you created at the beginning, I'm asking you to remove it. Any ill will, any hostility, even any infirmity that might affect their well-being. God, remove it now in the name of Jesus. Heal their minds as well 
as their bodies. And God, we thank you for it. And God, I ask you now, release them to walk in love. Set them free now to walk in truth. And God, I thank you for it. Now, God, we come into corporate agreement and we call it done now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, 